Hi everybody. Welcome. This is wonderful to see you all and uh, it's a beautiful day here in California on a Saturday afternoon so thank you for being here when you could be outside taking a hike. So, somebody somebody uh, actually told me that they said I was gonna come but I have a conflict. It's a beautiful day and I live in a beautiful place so I guess I can't come. Thanks for being here and thanks to Jane for joining me for this uh, celebration of uh, Phil Whalen's, the publication of Phil Whalen's journals, bowed some, chanted a little. And thanks to the Zen Center for uh, being willing to sponsor us to do this. Both Jane and I were friends of, with Philip and both of us are mentioned in the journals because we were living with Philip at Tassajara when he was there. So, um, I, I'm, I'm not, let's see, I'm not sure who's there, but uh, I bet there's lots of people there who have stories about Philip. And we want to leave plenty of time. We have a whole hour and a half. We have till 3.30 if we go that long. And so I want to be sure that we leave time for those of you who have stories to tell, to tell them. Because I think Jane and I are not going to tell stories. I think we're going to read from Philip's journals a little bit and maybe a poem or two of Philip's. And uh, I'll, I'll start that process and then I'll turn it over to Jane. And when Jane's done, we're going to open the floor to uh, any, any of you who have something to say, either those of you who are friends of Philip, and I'm, I'm looking at screen number one, and there's a bunch of you who I know knew Philip, or just who uh, know his writing and want to say something. So that's the, that's the plan. So I'm going to start by uh, saying that the... We're, this is all about Philip Whalen, we're celebrating Philip Whalen, but I also want to celebrate Brian Unger. Because Brian Unger uh, worked for about 10 years, uh, going back and forth from New Jersey where he was living to California, where Philip's uh, notebooks and journals are housed in the Bancroft Library. Uh, Brian spent uh, about a decade putting this together. And it was a tremendous labor of love because, as some of you know, Brian was also a student at Zen Center and a really good friend of Philip's. So he did this not out of um, sort of a distant-like literary interest, but, but a literary interest as well as a personal interest. So I want to read you uh, the end of uh, Brian's um, acknowledgments where he says, uh, I must also thank Zenshin Ryufu Philip Whalen himself. I had completed five years of formal literary studies by the time I first studied with him at the San Francisco Zen Center, and yet at the time I had a very untested and inchoate ideas about 20th century American poetry. Although I had lived in New Jersey, New York, and Philadelphia, I was poor, I poorly understood the work of Ginsburg, Baraka, and so on. At that time, I don't even think I had even read or studied Williams. And as a young Zen student trying to comprehend this monk poet Philip Whalen, I had no idea or plan whatsoever that one day in the future I would take up this work of editing and arranging his literary journals. As his biographer David Schneider has said, and, and a shout out also to David who wrote a terrific biography of Phil called Crowded by Beauty. I think that's the right title, right Jane? Crowded by Beauty. As, Phil, as David has said, to be around Phil Whale, Philip Whalen for any length of time 
was to notice deep wells of being and subtle teaching. This rich intimacy, the rich intimacy of these journals speaks volumes in these decades since his parinirvana. So this phrase, anybody who was around Philip for any length of time was to notice deep wells of being and subtle teaching, and also a very quirky, troublesome, and interesting fellow to be around. Really, really funny and, and wonderful person. And, and he's very important to me in particular. He was one of my most important teachers and my literary mentor. And uh, at our Everyday Zen organization, every year on his birthday, we do a ceremony where I speak to him and read a poem of his on October 20th every year. And he just celebrated his 100th birthday. This was his 100th birthday, 2023. So now I'm going to read some selections from his journals. And um, I'm selecting, on purpose, because this is a Zen Center event, I'm, gonna se I'm selecting stuff about uh, Zen Center and his time at Zen Center. There's lots of other stuff in here, lots of literary stuff, but this, this, this that I'm going to read is mostly has to do with Zen Center. So this is from um, June 22nd, 1975. He's, in, uh, he's at Naropa. Trying to have a short informal visit with Trungpa was a great deal like trying to have Dokusan with Roshi. There's a lot of stuff in here about his time with Richard Baker Roshi. I was scared, shy, nervous, inadequate to the occasion. Although I didn't faint, fart, or vomit, I giggled and tried to appear respectful and ingratiating. Alas, I had no calm, no solidity. Here I was in the principal's office, a school kid trying to explain his misconduct but expecting a beating or a high school kid from the country having his first interview at an office in the city. I still feel some obstacle that stands in the way of my relationship with Dick, and Dick is Richard Baker. I suspect, I suspect that I am standing in my way, myself or ego or fake imagination. Now, a month later, 24 July, same year, 75, is Maximus Volume 3, so this is when Maximus Volume 3, is published. Is Maximum, Maximus Volume 3 the last of Charlie O? Like the other books, it is a mixture of gold and gurry. His word, equivalent to Alice and Gass's grunge. Gloucester and Dogtown are completely boring, even when he's pointing out their splendid historical and geological glories. But he can tell us what snow or the moon or a star-nosed mole made him feel, since his feelings were unique and exact, and his language about them was relatively clear. We get moons and snows and moles, unlike others that have appeared in poetry. 25th of the same month, next day. It seems to be settled that I shall be Chousseau in September. It is being made very clear that I shall be there at Tassajara in a purely ceremonial capacity. The board of directors have selected people for the Rokuchiji. The Roshi and the Rokuchiji will present me with a Benji of their choosing. 29th August to 5th of September. 
seven-day session at Green Gulch Farm. Reb's hellfire and brimstone number before lunch, the sixth day, was ridiculous, but it terrified all of us. I'm going to come around and hurt you if you go to sleep. I will punish you. I expected to leave the Zendo through pools of blood and fragments of bodies, but he didn't hit a single person, and I know of two at least who were sound asleep. Sunday, the 14th of September, 75. First day of Tangario. Katagiri Roshi lectured on the silence of the universe, Buddha's world. Quote, close your mouth, keep your mouth shut and practice. At the end of this training period, you may feel good or you may feel bad. It doesn't matter. Please continue to do Zazen, Katagiri said. 23rd of September, 75. Obit. Clarence Leslie Thompson, at age 50, a good friend of Phillips from earlier times before he came to Zen Center. I guess he was about a year younger than I am. Surely phoned today to talk with me and to have me send something to be read at the private graveside service that will be held at Montesano on Saturday, September 27th. Roshi offered to provide dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, and transport, etc., 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 if I wanted to go to Seattle and Montesano, but I simply can't leave here at this time. The practice period needs every bit of energy and attention that I can give it. In some way, the period is dedicated to Leslie's memory and to all my teachers and families. Uh, 28th of September, 75. I underwent the Shuso ceremony, Hosen Shiki, strenuous debate with the Sangha and its officials all afternoon, clear, cold and windy, now after a day of drizzle and chill. Um, and um, this is December 7th, 75, Tassahara, no place to go, Nothing to do. Tomorrow, John drives the white truck to Salinas to get parts to fix the green truck. Pick up the laundry. 500 pounds of sunflower seeds. December 13, 75. Return to 340 Page Street. Party at Paula Anglum Gallery for Joanne's new book, All This Every Day which is dedicated, quote, to Philip Whalen. I love the full stop. So now I feel that I have eternal fame and my life is a success. And like Leslie said in his last letter, I am content. Now I'm skipping ahead to 1977. And I think this is the time when uh, both Jane and I, I think, were there at Tassajara with Philip. And this is uh, uh, 15th of October during the fall practice period of 1977. Saturday, 98 degrees Fahrenheit in the 90s for several days, 80, 80s before, etc. The great storm is to come tomorrow or the next day. The, 
in caps, Governor of California has arrived, accompanied by Jacques and Connie Borghazi and their son Vajra, Linda Ronstadt and others, hiding out from reporters? The Forest Service crew, which has been here for the past week or so, is burning piles of brush in the creek bed, filling the already intolerably hot atmosphere with choking fumes and vapors destructive to eyes and nose. They are a weedy, rowdy lot, ages 19 to 25, many with, quote, spare tires and pot bellies from too much college beer and junk food. Certainly they consume prodigious quantities of milk, meat, and the rich desserts which Gail Share manufactures especially for them. And Gail Share, many of you know, she uh, was also there with us. In fact, we were roommates. Kathy and myself and our twin sons were roommates with Gail Share at that time. And she went on to become a poet too. Um, October 17th, 77, Monday. The governor attended service and breakfast in the Zendo. It gave me the feeling that what we are doing here must be, quote, real in some sense, must be effective in some universe somewhere. Because his legs can't or won't fold, he looked lonesome and uncomfortable, perched on a high zafu. They brought him some bowls on a tray to eat from. I suppose it does him some good to get into something as simple and elegant as our kind of eating ritual. All we had was hot mush, yogurt, sliced figs and bananas, and garnish of gamachio and wheat germ, but all of it was served with the usual pomp and flourish and chanting. The great monk, Tenshin Zenki, and a lesser one are scheduled to appear here on Thursday. And Thursday comes. The Zentatsu Roshi is supposed to reappear soon along with some kind of uptown monk from the Eheji. Kaz Tanahashi will travel with the great monk. The great monk has recently been installed as Tanto at Page Street, Hoshinji. It might be better, better to name him the monk exemplary. He has the appearance and makes all the sounds appropriate to the model monk in capitals, model monk. He wants very much to be so, just as the Lama Govinda, who, who Philip most of the time referred to as Lamar, Lamar Govinda, here it says Lama, but he usually called him Lamar, wants so very much to be a Lama as one of the more elegant of our Tibetan teachers has remarked. We, were, we are distorted and ruined by our desire, no matter how noble their object. Saturday, 22nd of October, 77. A front-page story and photograph in the San Francisco Chronicle about Zentatsu Roshi being Governor Brown's Zen connection and how the appointments of Gary, which is Gary Snyder, Huey Johnson, Sim Vanderein et Alia to state offices was due to the influence of the ambience of Zen Center and the soirees at the Roshi's house next door. In early morning Zazen, the Roshi said, let your gigantic body sit. I think it is arranged now for me to leave Tassahara on Thursday morning, uh, January 12th, early, 
with Alan Block, who's over there on the screen, with Alan Block, who drives his own van. The Jambo Marlowe Axis will come too. And a few of you will know what that is, the Jambo Marlowe Axis. Jambo is what he always called Mike Jamvold. And he was married to Wendy Matlow at the time, or almost married. Didn't last too long, but... <laughs> Tassajara, 10.30 a.m. Monday, January 16, 78. Lots of rain. The creeks grow higher, and maybe new little brooks appear in the grounds, running off the small steep hills above the hill cabins and down the main driveway. The Chousseau, Isan T. Dorsey, has taken to his bed in order to, re to prevent the arrival of any serious illness. January 22nd, 78, sick, capital, sick. The aching dizzy head, the broken bones and rheumatic joints. Tommy brought me a bag of cookies. That's Tommy Dorsey, his son. Tommy brought me a bag of cookies, which I devoured. Chocolate chip, a Vienna crescent, and some nondescript cake cookie wedge. And Norman brang a piece of peppermint with half an orange. Now the evening service is being chanted and thumped, and in a while, Keith will bring me the gruel and the vegetables. 23rd January 78, Jiyu-ho-raku, bliss of enlightenment, which the Buddha himself enjoys. A Saturday... Uh, November 1779, in the middle of the second period of evening zazen, Roshi came in to announce that Chris Piercig had been murdered earlier this evening. Chris was the son of the famous Robert Piercig, who wrote Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Chris was a student at Zen Center and, and was murdered. Uh, near the Zen Center, right around the corner from the Zen Center on Page Street. A little later, he delivered a short eulogy, ordered an extra half hour of Zazen, and ordered the bell to be rung 108 times. I think everybody participated in the bell ringing. Chris was to have been ordained as a priest in January. Oh, I forgot to tell you that anybody who is, wants to have uh, closed captioning or turn off closed captioning, there's a chat about that. I'm, I'm supposed to tell you that at the beginning, and I forgot. Wednesday, uh, 21st of November, 79, John Bales, who's also, I think, over there somewhere, right? Yeah, John is there, Kotatsu. John Bales gave me a long rap yesterday. John will remember this, and he'll be able to tell us later whether this is accurate or not. John Bales gave me a long rap yesterday about how the boss, the boss is uh, Baker Roshi, about how the boss isn't spending his time writing fundraising letters addressed to the very rich, capital V, capital R. JB was introduced to Paul Mellon and played Scrabble with him and presented the Zen Center proposal book. PM, Paul, Paul Mellon, very nice man, per usual. Very smart, Yale, who did graduate work in English at Cambridge and can quote all the old Irish guys. I said, in Gaelic? John answered, I don't know. 
I suspect that these are the same old Irish guys who interest William Irwin Thompson and Kathleen Rain. Mrs. P.M., a Mary, some Irish name, very rich from St. Louis Vassar, an old Vassar chum of, in caps, Nancy Wilson Ross, who was a very important friend of Richard Baker's and a friend of the Zen Center's, a very wealthy New York lady who was connected to many other wealthy New York people. Thanks to them, we got funding for Tassajara and stuff like that. Mary McGinty Mellon, allergic to horses. So this is PM's wife. Mary McGinty Mellon, allergic to horses. Mr. PM has passion for riding to the hounds through classy Virginia landscapes. Mary M tries to overcome horse allergy, asthma, etc. Consults Carl Jung and all the old Irish guys about it. This is the genesis, he says, of the Bollingen Foundation. Is that how you say it? Bollingen or Bollingen? I don't know. Bollingen? Yeah, anyway. Who, who was the first organizing president manager of the Bollingen Foundation? Stanley Preston Young, another important donator to the Zen Center in the, the coterie of sort of uh, rich American Buddhist uh, funders. One terrible day, PM and wife go a-riding through expensive Virginia landscape. Mary M. develops attack of asthma, goes home, but chokes to death before her physician arrives. JB, John Bales, suggests that later on, a Freudian, in caps, a Freudian nerve doctor was able to explain to PM that PM wasn't guilty of causing Mrs. M.'s death Bollingen Foundation had finished, or shortly before, or shortly had finished publishing its projected series of 108 books. Anyway, it naturally ended. And the last thing I'll read from this is one short paragraph, which I, when I read this before the book came out, I thought this was the, absolutely the best definition of monastic life that I had ever read. It totally captures monastic life. Here, here it is. It's a short paragraph. Saturday, uh, February 16th, 1980. A monastic life is a strange mixture of high idealism, paltry intrigue, and contagious delusionary systems. I think that's exactly right. Anybody who's ever lived in a monastery will recognize that. A monastic life is a strange mixture of high idealism, paltry intrigue, and contagious delusionary systems, health food, a fatuous complacency, and boredom, perhaps lead to paranoid empire building within the organization. Low-grade mysteries and shabby melodrama recur with appalling frequency. People regularly suffer from a variety of nervous disorders, not to say outright madness, and the number of obviously disturbed individuals who come to examine us or to apply for admission is very great compared with the number of ordinary folks. So you see how entertaining that is, and it goes on that way the whole way through all almost 400 pages of it. And I just want to refer to this book, because this is another labor of love. Philip 
inspired tremendous love and there were people who just were devoted to him and Brian was one of them and that's why Brian spent 10 years on that and another one was was Michael Rothenberg who who is now passed on who spent an equally large long length of time putting together this collected poems of Philip Whalen and, and I think really everybody should have this book the collected poems of Philip Whalen it's got a lifetime of work in it just as I'm well aware Jane's got a book just about out, right? Just out and available now, which also contains uh, almost a lifetime of work. I think it's officially a new and selected, right? But it's really got 50 years of work in it, right? And you, but you have to say the title because I've forgotten. I'm sorry. Have to un I have to unmute. There we go. Yeah. Um, so I don't have it at. Well, at the galleys. I don't have the. It's it's out. It's this out. Is the, what the cover looks like, except it's a big, handsome, hefty hardback, and it's called the asking. The asking. And thank right, you, right, Norman, right. for that lovely um, uh, pitch for for. Well, well, but see, but it's true though that a book like this and like that one. These are books that a person should have because you don't read this kind of a book. Books you read and then you give them away. But you don't read a book like this or like that and give it away. You have it all the time and you go back to it and you read it again and again. And so because it's a person's entire life, right? So you have to have that. So I'm going to just read you just one or two little short snippets. Now, he's got some poems that are very, very... Um, cogent and, and moving, but his poems, uh, for, oh, first, I forgot. First I have to read you this, because this is um, Brian. Brian is, is explaining why Philip's poetry is so important, and you might not get this unless you understand. So here's what Brian says. Um, Whalen is highly regarded by contemporary scholars and poets for the idiosyncratic poetics he developed. He is, his poetry is very idiosyncratic. When you first read it, you, you say, what is he, this is, what is this? This isn't poetry. It's very idiosyncratic. He developed through a complex project of Buddhist phenomenology, East Asian poetry as introduced by Ezra Pound and Ernest Fenollosa, a deconstruction of language and space influenced by Gertrude Stein and William Carlos Williams, and a lifetime devotion to the 18th century British satirists, Jonathan Swift, Lauren Stern, and Samuel Johnson, among others. So all of that really is behind Philip's work. Many of Whalen's poems read like refracted moments of Zen meditation, the ancient and somewhat peculiar form of Buddhist contemplation practiced intensively by the Soto Zen school, where, whose North American iteration Whalen was trained and ordained in. He eventually became abbot of a Soto temple, and then he's quoting here Leslie Scalapino, who was also a dear friend of Philip's and of mine, who we've also lost, brilliant writer who loved Philip and wrote about his poetry. She said, Whalen's poetry is phenomenological rather than visionary. It is not about something, rather, the writing is the mind's operations per se. To her, his poetry is based not on images, but rather on sound schemes, frequently the leaps and omissions of conversational exchange whose space and processes are active mind phenomena, the mind creating self, the inside and outside together. In other words, Brian adds, 
refracted moments of zazen meditation. So you need to kind of appreciate that to, to get Zen Philip's poems. And I'm going to quote some poems that emphasize that aspect uh, of him. Um, so this, and I've just sort of chosen these almost at random. And uh, I'll try to, there's, there's all kinds of drawings in the middle of poems and caps and, you know, graphics. This poem is called Sunday Afternoon Dinner, Fung Loi Restaurant, San Francisco, uh, 25962. Bus wagon, seven o'clock trip to the kitchen, and then a long line, on time, caps. On the other side of the page, ink, caps, ink, by the pocketful. Ink in jars, tubes, blocks, and dishes, never or seldom where it belongs. Down below, more ink displaced. Cuttlefish in sepia sauce. Chop suey, eggs for young, pork noodles, fortunate cookies, fly shrimp, bosatsu pudding. When the smoke of the cooking flies away, all that's left we consume what may. A very Chinese interest. Plastic. Do I bore you? Coriander leaves. A pot, apart from which, as precious unguents, herbal wines and essential oils, sweat and ooze, collect a powder of gone spiders. Portentously, Sunday, food, smoke, as if we were gods and cherubic presences. The Saturday visitations. One, belligerence, mixed bathing, and that was the end of the Roman Empire, which ought to have lasted at least three weeks longer. Question mark? Oh yes, 19 people. Cars, a great big highway patrolman on purpose in cars. Two, all people, they love the, they try to tell us we may sue, exclamation point, very tiring, forget it. And uh, I'll read you uh, one or two short Tassajara poems that are much more uh, tame and normal. Garden, co Garden Cottage One, which is a place we many of us will remember. Philip lived there um, many times during practice periods. Garden Cottage One. Chill morning moonlight garden by Douanier Rousseau. Some weird bird or animal cries at 3 a.m. Lost, meaningless, wild. Temporarily, the moon window in the sleeping loft composes a picture of mountains and treetops in the Chinese taste, although an edge of the roof cuts a cord out of the circle. If I should die, the picture would decompose, the window just be a hole in a wall, the mountains would be someplace else. This is probably all about a poem I wrote 16 years ago. 
and I'll stop with this because I'm going on too long, I'm sorry. Back to normalcy. And this is written in Tassajara in 77. My ear stretches out across limitless space and time to meet the fly's feet coming to walk on it. The cat opens an eye and shuts it. That much meaning, use, or significance. Wind chime, hawks cry, pounding metal generator, bell and board rehearsing blue jays. Dana, some of you will know Dana Dantine, who was probably the Tenzo at the time. Dana, phoning, shouts, you mean fiberglass? Telephone, grape leaves shake together, dull blonde sycamore sunshine. Dana says, all you guys bliss out behind the carrot and raisin salad? Brown, dumb leaves fall on bright ferns, new and thick since the fire. We had had a giant fire uh, that be the summer before that practice period. Thank you, everybody, for listening to all that, and I hope you enjoyed Philip's words. He something, you know, every, everything that came from him was so lively, always lively and alive. And speaking of lively and alive, here is the fantastic Jane Hirschfield, who I'm very grateful was willing to share this event with me, an old friend of Philip's too. So, Jane, you'll read and talk, and, and then when you're done, we'll hear from others. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you.